up. Let's get to it. Today, repeat the topic with me, please, as we close the series. Say a courageous conversation about how you manage the seasons of your life. Life comes in seasons. And nobody knows that better than farmers. Farmers are people who understand that you don't get your food from the grocery store. It comes from the field. There are people who spend their life farming. Now, in our current culture, that's not normal. People aren't normally, um, at least most of us. We grew up up with the idea that if you wanted some chicken, you just went to the store in the frozen food place and just picked your chicken. Not, Not so. My grandmother used to raise her chickens. Anybody had folks that raised their chickens? And how many of you are guilty of killing chickens? Let me see any chicken killers in here. Mm-hmm. 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 I could tell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you look suspicious. Look at that. He's back there wringing the neck. Don't be doing that in church. He's back there going all like this here. I said, stop it, stop it. I used to go to my grandmother's house, and uh, I, I was um, um, <laughs> just not used to this, and and, I, and I, the chicken would taste a little funny, a little different. And I said, Grandmama, what's with this chicken? Boy, just eat that. Don't worry about it. I go outside, see the feathers on the ground. I knew I couldn't take it. I mean, they, they had this real awareness that food is grown, caught. If you wanted to eat peas, you had to grow the peas. Everything was, was part of the farming life of the believer, or of the, of the um, average family, I meant to say. I want to look today and read a verse to you in James chapter 5, verse 7, and I want to show you something that farmers understood, and as I said, it is something that we have lost track of. Verse 7, James chapter 5 says, be patient then, brothers, until the coming, to the Lord's coming. See how the farmers wait for the land to yield its valuable crop. And how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and do what? Stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other. Brothers, you don't grumble or you will be judged. A farmer understood how to manage seasons. Today I want to ask you, how do you manage your seasons? Right now you're in a season, and so how is it going? How are you dealing with having teenagers in your house? How are you dealing with having no kids in the house? How are you dealing with having young kids in the house? Now, when you've lived through a season, you become good at it. You have a different perspective. It is so true that when you first have a kid, you feel this strong need to establish yourself. When you have them and they've grown up, you just look at it differently. When I look at my little grandbaby, I see her differently. I, my managing of her is a little bit different. I, we've had some exciting moments of intense fellowship, but that's just part of being a parent, grandparent and all. You just have to manage it. And I think there is a way that your life changes when you farmed a while. When you've been out in the field and you've chopped the wood and you've seen the winters come and you've seen the summers come over and over again, 
you have an advantage because you know winter doesn't last forever. You understand that when you put these peas in the ground, it's going to take a while. So a new farmer is looking for the crop to come right away. An old farmer understands this is a process. So let me give you, if I can, three lessons that I think farmers understand about seasons. The first thing they understand is there's a waiting season. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. There's a waiting season. There is a season when all you do is wait. And that's all determined by what you're planting. If you're planting something, some things take longer than others, and you just kind of understand this takes a while. This is going to take three months more. And the weather determines it, and you just kind of understand that process. Secondly, they understand there's a yielding or harvest season. Young people often get this confused. If you're in college, you're supposed to be broke. This is called the broke season. <laughs> and it's just when you don't have any money. You're, you're not supposed to have a Mercedes. You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to. It's just part of this season. And, and if you can embrace that reality, when you have young children, this is the crying season. This is the season. You know, on planes a lot, and now your baby's crying. I'm real patient because I understand. I get it. It's like, okay. I always keep a little cartoon on my little device. So if a kid sits next to me and cries, I cut on the cartoon. They go, oh. <laughs> and it's just, I understand it. I get it. I've been there, I've done that, and it's okay. And there's something about engaging that moment. Just as a grandbaby story, my, my little granddaughter had a moment, and uh, she just cried and um, cried, and I just looked at her and looked at her, and she cried, and, and I looked at her, and I knew the season was going to go one way. It's going where your breath is going to run out, <laughs> your strength is going to run out. But I'm not going to run out. Go for it, girl. Let it up. Hey, baby, that's what I'm talking about. You tired yet? Okay, go for it. Go for it. Some people were around us, and, and they saw me managing this moment, and they, are you okay, Pastor? Oh, sure, I'm fine. I'm old at this. I've done this before. Go for it, girl. Let it up. And after she's finished, she said, pop, pop. I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> you hungry? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Come on, baby girl. We get you some. You know, because I've been there, I've done, you know, just, you get it, you understand it, you don't flip out, you get it. I understand. And so I understand there's a moment in time when I must sow, and there's a moment in time when it's going to be this way, and that's okay with me. As a matter of fact, can you lift your hand and make a declaration and say, it's okay. It's okay. That's it right there. Put your hands down. See, it's okay. It's okay. You're in this season of being a single. Come on, say, it's okay. I mean, you didn't say it. You don't like it, do you? you? You want every season to be the same, which brings me to the third thing this farmers teach us. They understand that, there is a, that all seasons have a name. There's a name for each season. And once you say the name of the season, your attitude should adjust. This is winter. You put coats on. This is winter. It's hot. Take coat off. You under, if you understand the seasons, you dress for the seasons. And so it's really easy. How many of you from cold country? Raise your hand. Cold country. Real cold. You've been where it snows and it gets real cold. How cold did it get where you came from? How cold did it get? How cold? 30? 30 degrees? That's cold. Anybody? How cold? Minus zero. Anybody else? How cold, my brother? 17. Any, any, can I get lower than that? Anybody? That's it. Where are you from? Five degrees. It's, I've been there when it's cold like that. Lord have mercy. I went to Macy's Day Parade and went inside, Jesus. To watch that on. T- 
<laughs> we went down there one time. You're going to see Macy's in person. Yeah, they froze us. Ricky said, okay, Daddy, that's enough. I can, I've seen enough for the parade. <laughs> that's enough, Daddy. <laughs> one year we went, it was warm, but, but two years it got us real good. So we stopped going. We stopped watching on TV. But the, the key to managing the weather is dressing for the weather and just understanding. You don't complain and you don't grumble because you get it. So farmers get that. If you can at least take on that attitude, you will always manage your seasons with, with a better spirit and you'll feel better. The three things that I think will help you that he says in this managing of your seasons. Three things that are really, really helpful. One, everybody say with me, please, say patience. patience. You've got to be patient. We're all tempted to believe that we're late. We're all tempted to believe that we should have been married a long time ago. We should have had millions of dollars a long time ago. We should have graduated, and you have all these guilt trips you go through because you're just not thinking like a farmer. It takes a while to grow healthy children. It takes a while to build a good relationship. It takes a while to build a good church. It takes a while. And I, I must admit, I'm not always patient. I don't like to wait. I want it right now. When I say I want to go back to school, I want to graduate tomorrow. <laughs> I want one test. <laughs> That's it. I want to go right to graduation. I don't want to go through the classes. Sometimes if you're not careful, that's how you think. You are not patient sometimes. And if you can at least look at your life and say that, it would help you manage your seasons. And secondly, I love this, you have to stand firm, he said. If you're, if you're willing to stand firm, if you're willing to do what he said, be patient Therefore, brethren, the Lord's coming. If you could be patient, if you could wait till the autumn and the spring, if you could stand firm, as he said in chapter 5, verse 8, it, it takes away a lot of the pressure when you stop saying, I'm quitting every other week. When you stop saying that, just, just stop quitting every other week. Stop saying, I'm divorcing you. Stop saying, it's over. Stop announcing the end of your tenure at the job. If you're going to leave, leave, but don't leave. I'm trying to get you to think about this for a minute. Staying, and I'm not saying staying in anything abusive. I'm not saying, saying stay someplace where you're harmed. I'm not saying stay someplace where you're in danger. I didn't say that. But what I am saying is sometimes there is a strong tendency to, to always quit everything. You know, you know, the average pastor, um, 20 years ago, lasted three years. The current number is six. Six years and they're done. It takes about five years to get to know your church, they say. So right after they get to know them, <laughs> they leave. 3.5 years, now it's up to six. Why, what is this? Why, why do you move from job to job to job to job to job? Why? why what, what are you looking for? What is it that in your life, relationship to relationship, relationship, friendship to friendship, it's just always, there's always this moving thing. 
I really get, again, I'm not saying stay in abusive relationships. I'm not saying, I'm not saying any of that. I, I believe in ending things. I understand the value of that. But farmers can't keep quitting. You keep quitting on your kids. Your kids keep quitting on you. The whole family keeps quitting on each other. That's why we can't get anywhere. And the last thing he said is avoid grumbling. Complaining is one of the plagues. Standing up over your crop saying, why aren't you growing? I put water on you. You know, it's like, what, what is this? What is this? These are your kids you're yelling at. These are your members. These are your, this is your staff. There, there's a spirit of complaining, a spirit of tension that lives that I think is unhealthy. One of the things I, I will say as gracefully as I can, I went to a place and I was, I was helping, um, and one of the things that I suggested they give people is what I call mess-up points. And they asked me, Pastor Rick, what is a mess-up point? I said, a mess-up point is when you allow people to mess up. How many of you women cook? Okay. Here you go. Some of you didn't raise your hand, but it's okay. No, how many of you guys cook? See, all the guys didn't raise their hand either. Everybody's not a cook. I get that. Everybody's not a cook. Have you ever, now watch this. This is going to be the moment of truth and honesty. Have you ever burned up something? Raise your hand. What did you burn up? Rice. I like you for saying that. <laughs> Who else going to tell me? What did you burn? Come on, tell me what you burned. Cornbread. What? Fried chicken. You messed up the fried chicken. You've burnt it? Burned it up. All right, all right. All right, Mr. Iron Chef, come on. Raise your hand. Bobby, what did you burn up? Come on, Bobby can really cook. What did you burn? A roast beef. Thank you, sir. What did you cook, Ms. Baker? What did you burn? Turkey wings. Rice. All right, anybody over here, what did you burn? Oxtails. Anybody else going to confess? How about just a pot? This water in the pot. Lord have mercy. You shouldn't say that out loud. You shouldn't say that. <laughs> All right, now. All right, come on back. Come on back. There's something about understanding everybody messes up. You're never going to have a great relationship if you don't give out mess up points. I, here's what I told. Here's what I always tell us that. Okay, you get mess up points, but just don't don't destroy everything, please. Just don't. Just let's move. everybody. So you don't have to lie. You just say oh, I messed up. Here's what I did. I messed up, and here's how I messed up. I did A, B, and C. It's okay. Now let's work on that together. Don't let me find it out another way. Just tell me you messed up, and we'll deal with it. There's something about understanding if you are going to succeed. Getting rid of the tension and the atmosphere that stops success is key. He said, be like the farmer. Don't grumble. Understand this is a season. We've got a, a mountain to climb, a dragon to fight. Now, I want to close with five things that I personally have learned. These are my lessons that I have learned in the seasons of my life. And there are five of them. Repeat this with me, please. Say, time runs out. Time runs out. Oh, boy, this is great. 
There is a time and a season for everything. One of our staff, who doesn't want me to mention her name, Sheila Bishop, there is a book <laughs> that she, <laughs> in our sermon review time with the staff, uh, we have a team of people we meet and we go through the sermons. And one of the things that she said, this is book I'm reading, Pastor, is Nine Rules of Engagement by uh, Harris uh, Faulkner was phenomenal. I just thought it was absolutely phenomenal. And I, I just want to just read it uh, to you. It's, it's under supplemental note in your notes there. When I was very young, when I was very young, my dad shared something with me that he used to tell the battalions he led. As I watched him shave in the early morning one day, he said, the people in your life have an expiration date. You will lose some through death, attrition, their own desires to do greater things, and a host of other reasons. Your ability to let go of them is as important as whom you choose to hang on to. You only have so much space and energy. You have a finite amount of time because you are human. You have limited resources because time is among the materials you must work with. So make sure you have the right people around you to get the things done that you need to get done. And remember that most of us are only with each other one mission at a time. Gain the most from them and be the most with them for as long as is appropriate and successful. It, is important, it, is an imp it was an important message about staying focused and having a squad around you that can help you reach excellence. The power of his words has stayed with me ever since. I still have the journal I wrote them in. The simple truth is that we all need support to achieve our goals. And if we don't consider and line up people in our lives who possess the wisdom, skills, moral fiber, and intention to be there for us when we need them most, we may not thrive and survive the way we hope to. Knowing who your allies and special forces are, and by contrast, knowing your enemies and detractors too, the people who intentionally or unintentionally can harm you or impede your progress is vitally important. And everybody say amen to that. Well, you want to clap for that. That's a phenomenal. Isn't that phenomenal? Repeat it with me, please. Say time runs out. There is just, just accept that. People are not going to be with you forever. I never get upset when people leave the church, even though I want you all to stay. I, I try, I understand that if I get you for 10 years or five years or a year, I mean, what a, that's a blessing for you to let me be in your life. I'm not, I'm not, I don't own you. A lot of churches and pastors get confused. We don't own people. And, and when the time runs out, you embrace that. I just think you should be able to run out and be okay. Secondly, and you don't have to come up with some spiritual reason. The Lord told me, just go. <laughs> I just like hearing, I like spaghetti now. I had chicken, now I want to go over here to the spaghetti church. It's okay. I may go to barbecue in a few years. I mean, it's okay. You know, you don't have to come up with the Lord. I, told, I heard an angel. You hear no angel. You just want to go, go. You got a man over there you love, go, to, go with your man. It's all good. Praise God. He over there. You don't have to come up with some spiritual message. Some angel. All right. 
Can I tell you something? I love pastoring. I'm going to tell you right. I love pastoring. I love it. I enjoy it. I plan to do it for 20 more years. I've been doing it for 37. That's amazing. Now, but if in 10 years, I decide I don't want to do this anymore, I'm not going to come up here and say, I, I prayed and the holy angels came to me. I'm going to say, I'm tired. I'm done. I'm just going to tell you, I'm done. I preached my last message. This is it. End of all the series. I love you. Here's his Bubba Louie. He's going to pass the Susa Louie or whoever in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to make up some story. And you better leave me alone. Come on, say amen, right? Thank you, Jesus. All right. Let's love each other together. Here we go. Time runs out. Money runs out. It takes off like a bird. Proverbs 23 and 5. Man, oh boy. Here you go. Relationships run out. One day, the energy to relate, it just runs out. It does. There are people that get tired of me. There's some pastors, they're tired of me. I ask them too many questions. <laughs> they do. They get tired of me. I can tell you their names. They get tired of me. I get their phone number. They don't call back. <laughs> Had enough of Ricky Temple. I tell you, I run them off. I run them off all the time. Four questions. Tell me about, you, tell me about you, your, 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 your money. No, first of all, I try to get them to read a book. If they don't read a book, then I run them off. Guys ask me, say, I want you to mentor me. I say, you don't mean that. Read this book, call me when you finish. They never call back. You run them off just like that. <laughs> then I said, if that don't get them, I said, well, let me just see your money. They don't want to talk about their money. You want me to mentor you, but you don't want to talk about the money. We can't mentor you. if You, you got to talk about money. Somebody in your life should help you with your money, especially if you're going to be a leader. Thirdly, I ask them about their sex life. That really run them off right there. Bam. <laughs> I want to know if you're sleeping around. If you're sleeping around, then we need to talk because I don't, I don't hang around. I'm sorry. Nothing personal. I love you. We all close. Okay. But Ricky Temple does not do that. Now, I don't do that. I'm not saying that to brag. If it worked, I would do it. <laughs> now you're shocked. So what did he say? What did he say? He said he said that. It don't work. You got to sneak around. You got to go around and do all these changes. You got to worry about people with the video. They got videos everywhere. Now they videotape you going in. I don't got time for all that. I am not got time. I'm too tired for all of that foolishness. Thank you, Jesus. I have a wonderful wife. We have a great life. Guess, read all between the lines if you want to. I don't have time for that. But what if they find? So what? I don't mean anything. I ain't stupid. I figured this out. I've been around seasons. I've seen, I've seen the seasons. So that's why I don't, that's why I, and I believe God's way is best way. I like looking in the mirror, loving me and not apologizing. I'm, I just, I, I just don't want that. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that you don't, Pastor Rick, you don't see nobody. I know I'm getting off now. You don't see anybody uh, that's cute and you don't have a thought. Yeah, I see people that's cute. But you got to have not the first thought, it's the second thought. The first thought is, oh, she's fine. Wow. Right? Second thought is, that's a lot of money. <laughs> that's a lot of stuff. Very expensive. You got to get to the second thought. She talks. She has opinions. She has viewpoints. Don't you fool yourself. Women, you know it. You see some guy with some cute girl doing like this. You say, boy, she, she got a right cross, too. You better watch it. You understand it's more than that. Now, you got me off. Let me get back where I was. Come on. Say, time runs out. Money runs out. Relationships run out. 
I accept that. I accept that my role in your life may run out. My, I accept that. I, I, and I, I think you need to, somebody was, was really upset the other day about friendships, and, and they said, my friends have left me. You're the only one. I said, well, they're tired of you. I said, they've been through two marriages with you. That's it. They can't go through a third when they're done. He said, well, true friends stay with you to the end. I said, no, they don't. They, they had only strength for two. I'm here for the third, but they were here for two. That's it. You, I'm a new, that, that, you can't expect everybody to put up with all your, you didn't borrow money from them for how many years? That's why they don't call you back. They know it's the 15th. They know, they know I'm sorry, the 25th. They're not going to call to after the first. So you understand that. And you embrace it. I embrace it. Thank you for letting me be your friend. No hard feelings. Can we say that? Say no No. hard feelings. Let them go, please. If he wanted somebody else, why do you want to stay with him? He wants somebody else. He got somebody else. What in the world? Why? You can't make him stay? Put yourself in danger? Fighting some woman over, I ain't fighting no man over Diane. She better stay with me. I'm not. I'm telling you right now, I ain't fighting nobody. I'm not getting shot over anybody. I'm not going to be on the news. No. Get up here and tell y'all she is. What happened? She met some ugly man and she left with no. <laughs> Lord, I'm off the cliff today. Help me, Jesus. But I mean, some of you need to understand you can't force people. Stop it. Time runs out, <laughs> money runs out, relationships run out. Here you go, physical stamina changes. People can't run like they used to run. It happens. I've learned that there's a season. You're out there trying to play basketball with them young people. You're going to hurt yourself. I was out there. I was playing with them one day, and I knew I was in trouble because I, I used to, you know, you, you get in your position, you know, side to side. You real. I got you, boy. You're not getting past me. Ha! And that boy cut past me. He crossed over on me and went that way. I said, let him go. Let him go. My knees told me, let him go. Let him go. Don't care. <laughs> let, him, let him go. Good move, son. That was fascinating. Shoot. What? Sometimes you don't realize it. You, know, you don't realize things change. I was, uh, I, was, um, I was in Australia, and we was in the parking lot with this young boy. He's, you know, one of the families that uh, hosted us. And so we, something was left in the, ho- in the hotel, so we had to go back and get it. So we started jogging to the hotel, and he started jogging. Then he started like a competition. He started speeding up. So I started speeding up. You know, I said, you know what? You're crazy. Let that boy go, son. Bring it back when you get it. What am I doing? This boy is 19. What am I running after you for? Like a crazy person. You, you know, embrace the dynamics in your life. Glad I can still run, but don't, you know, I don't have to do that. My doctor told me there's a whole bunch of people come to him. He makes they good for business. <laughs> he told me this the other day. He said, yeah, they're good for business. They're going there. They're getting, they're getting out. Oh, he said CrossFit. But he said, I'm going to get in shape. He said, yeah, nah, you know, you let these young people fool you. If you, you, know, you, you, can't, you can't CrossFit like that. You can, you can almost fit. <laughs> you know, not, you can't go all the way across. You can go kind of across. You gotta, he said, all them good patients, they come back. <laughs> he said, Come on, say time runs out, money runs out, relationships run out, physical stamina changes, and here you go, last one, ready? Emotional stamina changes. People just can't deal with stuff. They start twitching. 
after a while. Where are you? Is your emotional stuff beginning to get to you? You're in a season when you're saying, you know, I don't know what this is, but I don't like it anymore. And I think you have to, you have to embrace that truth about your life. Next week, I'm going to turn the page to an incredible study. And I am so excited because this was born out of a conversation. I'll let you read it. Uh, it it's really about something, repeat with me, please, say family, family. team. The sermon really series is really called How to Help the Family Team. And I want to give you four specific things that you can do there's also going to be a testimony in the middle of that, but I want to show you, and it's going to stretch out to the 1st of August, but I want to show you how you can help the family team. Now, here's how this sermon series came about, at least what sparked it. We started the year having sermon. We talked about courageous conversations, and I said, you got to have that moment in your family, where your, your life, where you said, let me have these courageous conversations about the issues in my life. Went through the Ten Commandments, told you these are the messy things that can get in our life that can mess us up. If you missed it, go back online, click on uh, sermons, you can listen to the whole series. Then after we have courageous conversations, we've got to make courageous what? Changes, right? Courageous conversations, then we've got to make changes. Now, once you make changes, you've got to come up with courageous plans. The plans have to center around the first thing you need to deal with, and that's your team. My plans, to, after I have these conversations and decide what changes I need in my life, I've got to target my family team. Not yours, mine. Not anybody else's church, just overcoming by faith. What's our team plan? You've got to come to a place where you realize, I'm, I'm on this team and I need to fix this team. And so here's what really sparked this next week's sermon. Deuteronomy chapter 6. You can read that later, verse 1 through 7. I put it in your notes for you. The pastors uh, asked me a question last week. They said to me, we don't like streaming. We think it's keeping people out of church. They need to come in the building. And I said to them, I said, well, that's your desire, but that's not what they're going to do. So I think you have to accept the fact that people can't come every week. And the goal is to give them options where they can tune in or they can keep up with you. That's part of the family reality. So they didn't quite like that. So one of them said, okay, hey, here's a question. What about the children? They said, what about the children don't get to go to children's church and Sunday school. So what about the children? And something snapped at me. And I said this. I am not supposed to save your children. We have taken on our responsibility that we should not take on. Those are your children. If they're ungodly, they are your ungodly children. I am not responsible. Churches are trying to build buildings to house all these people, do all these things. I'm not against that. My goal is to give the youth this building and build us one that's reasonably sized for us. I have changed. I'm not competing with Disney World. I'm not competing with Epcot. I'm a church. Come on, say amen, huh? So, we're going we're gonna to do something real smart, smarter than we've ever done, trust me. But my point is, I am not, I am not supposed to, 
I'm not supposed to save your kids. If, you, if your kids don't know God, Deuteronomy 6 said this. When you walk along the way, your job is to talk to your kids. When you sit down, you talk to your children. Those are your children. Can I get an amen? Come on, your team. So what I want to help you do is fix your family team, your team. And I believe that if you fix the team, you fix the world. You'll fix all these places that have trouble because all of them start in somebody's home, in somebody's family. Are you going to join me next week? Praise God. It's going to be a great study. Amen. Well, come on. Give God a big hand if you're excited. we got a lot to talk about. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We look forward to this next series. We look forward, Lord God. We thank you for what we've learned in this season of our studies. We've looked at our worldview this month. We've studied the book of James. We've looked at, Lord God, how your word guided this man to view his challenges differently. It helped him, Lord God, in his approach to people and how he managed his words. His works lined up with what he said his faith was. Lord, we now come thanking you today and believing that we are farmers called by God to plant and be patient without murmuring And may we leave this study inspired, oh God, to make a difference in the world. I pray it has changed our worldview and helped us see the power of it. And now we take another step to plan for our family team, our team, my kids, my grandkids, my son, my daughter, my brother, my sister, my aunt, my nephew, my cousin, my team. How is my team doing? We can work on our team. We can change the world. So I give you the praise and glory and the honor. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I pray for people in this room today who's heard, who've heard the word and who would say, after hearing the message, Pastor, I realize I need, I need to make a decision because I can't help the team if I'm not right with God myself. If I'm not walking with God and living in his word and doing what he says, it's hard for me to help the team. I'm a hindrance to the team, really. Because I'm not bringing in your way. I'm bringing in the wrong way. And so maybe this is the time for me to say, God, I surrender my life to you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I want to give Jesus my life. I want you to pray this prayer for me today so I can leave out of here changed. With every head bowed, I want you to raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Let me know who's saying, yeah, Pastor, pray for me. That is my prayer today. I need to start a life with Jesus. I need to get my life going. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Anybody else saying, Pastor, pray for me today. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? Father, I thank you. I see you as well. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for all who've raised their hands and many who've raised their hearts, both here and at home. I pray this would be a moment of transformation for them. I pray that the Holy Spirit would inspire them today and give them faith and confidence as they surrender their lives to you. Coming to Jesus is about an honest conversation. I need you, God, in my life. That's all it is. And I I thank you for your forgiveness. You provided it for me on the cross. You died for me. And so now I start a brand new life. Show me. Help me meet the right people. Give me a place to grow in. Uh, Father, help me be around people with like-mindedness. And I pray that this would be the beginning, I pray, of a new life for them in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen.